And welcome to episode 19 of Motion Picture Pals, a podcast where we lie about how sick we are. I haven't been what? listening to news very much. A podcast where we get in wars over disputed lands in the Balkans. I'm Cam Call. With me is Rebecca Markley. Hello. And our producer, Travis Lean. Hello. Uh, Hoel is not with us. He's been recruited by the Azerbaijani military to fight a war against Armenia. So we're hoping to find out more about that soon. Uh, This week, we watched Fantastic Mr. Fox, the 2009 Wes Anderson film. Uh, It's a stop motion one, you might recall. Uh, It stars most of the people that are in Wes Anderson movies, but also uh, Meryl Streep and Albus Dumbledore. So, Rebecca, you picked this movie, if you want to tell us a little bit about it. Um, this is also another one of my favorite films. Um, I've seen it many times and each time I watch it, I feel like I get another sort of joke that I hadn't really remembered before, or it's just like a very kind of fun, silly film that I don't know, is kind of meaningless, but just really enjoyable to watch. And so I thought it would be fun to bring it on to the podcast. Um, it's about... Fantastic Mr. Fox, who's a fox who likes to steal things from like rich asshole farmers Um, and him and his like lady friend, his wife, I don't know, Felicity, they're off trying to steal some. What are they stealing in the beginning? Squab. Squab. Yeah, they're stealing squab and they get caught. And then. But I'm sorry, what are they stealing? Squab. It's like a bird. What is that? That's oh, it's the, like a that's, bird? Okay. That's like a gag in the beginning of the movie. Yeah, Squab is just a like a domestically raised pigeon. Oh, oh okay. Yeah. Huh, I did not know that. I yep. just knew it was a bird. I only know that because of like cooking shows that I watch sometimes. Oh, nice. Yeah, I just knew it was a bird from this fucking movie. <laughs> it's a bird that British people talk about sometimes. Um, yeah, and so when they're in like the cage and they have to dig out... dig themselves out of the cage to like escape their imminent death from the farmer. Um, Mrs. Fox tells Mr. Fox that she's pregnant with the little baby Fox. And then it skips forward in time. And then it's sort of like the family domestic life with, with Ash, the little, I guess he's like a teenager. He's like a preteen. I don't know. Ash. Ash. Yeah. I think he's, yeah, like 12, 13-ish is kind of the impression I got. Who totally idolizes his dad. And then um, his friend or his cousin from across the river, Christofferson, has to come <laughs> stay with them because his dad or uncle or somebody who watches over him has double pneumonia. And <laughs> Topical. Um, yeah, topical, right? But um, Is that a real thing, by the way, double pneumonia? Yeah, it yeah. just means you have pneumonia in both lungs. Yeah. Oh, okay. I just yeah. thought it was, I yeah. don't know. I didn't know no, if it was it's like not a like, goofy part of the... Yeah, it's film. not like double cancer or like <laughs> right. something like that. It's like an actual... Space AIDS. Right, right. It's an actual thing. Yeah, and so um, Christofferson is like very like tall and like elegant and does a lot of like meditating and is very athletic and sporty and attractive. And does karate. Does karate and is, you know, everything that Ash really wants to be in life. And so there's a little bit of jealousy and Ash is a huge asshole 
Um, and so that's all going on. Meanwhile, Mr. Fox is sort of like in a, I don't know, midlife crisis. He's really bored. He feels poor living underground and wants to live in a tree, um, which I don't know why you want to live in a tree as a fox, but whatever. It's just one of those fun animal gags that kind of pepper this movie. Yeah, I, I really appreciate it, especially this time around. I really like those. Yeah. And so then he decides he's going to go on like one last heist to go steal um, some cider, some duck. And what's the other one? Just chickens. Um. Yes. Yeah. It's like yeah. I think it's chickens, geese and cider. Oh, yeah. I, I I'll look it up. Remember. I'll look it up. You keep you. Keep, yeah. Oh, it's it's duck and, and goose. Duck and it's goose. It's just fowl in general. Like yeah. Waterfowl. OK. And um, yeah. So then obviously these like really rich asshole farmers are like they're they're on to the foxes, foxy business. And then they kind of like go after the whole like animal community that lives down the hill from them. And then the animal community has to sort of I mean, first of all, they're like really mad at Mr. Fox because he like ruined their life and, <laughs> you know, uprooted their homes and caused a whole bunch of destruction. But then they all kind of well, come he also, together. He also intentionally chose to live in that tree right next to the farms because he wanted to be able to go rob them. Exactly. Oh, yeah. So yeah, he's just like a very kind of, I don't know, selfish, cocky fellow. Um, Mr. Foxes. But then at the very end, they all kind of like come together and they like take down the mean farmers and they live happily ever after dancing in a grocery store. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so that's a quick summary of the film. What was everyone's first impressions? Or I guess, I don't know, for Cam, it's like a third no, impression. I, I've seen this movie many times. I really like it. I'm a big fan. I, yeah. What did you think, Travis? I thought it was good. I hadn't seen it before. I've seen many Wes Anderson films. Some of them I like, some of them I don't really care for. It, but in all of them, I think he's always got this really charming style that um, that I like. Uh, uh, the I mean, this movie is just, like, fun. And I was looking at it as a children's movie for the most part, I think. So, you know, I didn't. I, I don't really have anything to, like tear apart or anything like it was just the movie was fun maybe the plot wasn't all there but i don't think it really matters because they were just fun animals and they did fun hijinks and stuff and you know there wasn't really anything that i was mad about i enjoyed the film that's good that's yeah good. i was like worried you were going to be upset about something and i was like <laughs> i don't i don't know what but i'm sure no, will mean, have an opinion i liked that it was short and i liked that that everything was really visually interesting and it didn't always have my attention. So like I was kind of I don't want to say like I was half watching it. Like I definitely know what happened through this movie. I like I did see the movie from start to finish. <laughs> it didn't like it didn't have my my complete and undivided attention the way that I would want a movie to. So I know that it's like not going to be super memorable or anything to me. But, you know, I still thought it was a, a good movie for for the length that it was and all that yeah yeah i definitely i i feel that a lot i mean i think and i think it, it knows that in a lot of ways yeah. that as far as like adults are concerned they're not going to be like sucked in by the animation and the colors the way that kids might and i think this is a kid's movie at the end of the day i, I don't think this is like an adult movie that kids like i think this is a kid's movie that's just like not uh patronizing so it's like fun to watch it as an adult. 
Uh, and something I like about this, Travis, it sounded like you were maybe getting to a point similar to this is that like, I love the, the animated, the fact that this movie is animated because I think it can be so Wes Anderson-y without seeming like sort of overly affected or twee in the way that I think, especially some of his like older movies can uh because it's like it's animation like what the fuck else are you gonna do like you need a really like unified aesthetic and it's you know yeah obviously wes anderson is is kind of famous for that um and i know shortly after this uh i uh what's it called isle of dogs came out i almost said i love dogs because i heard somebody told me that that was like a pun that was intentional with the title but anyways i know yeah right right but it's not called I Love Dogs. It's called no. Isle of Dogs. Anyways, right. uh, so, you know, Wes Anderson is he's returned to stop motion. And I, I have to assume for similar reasons. I haven't seen Isle of Dogs, but uh, yeah, one that's something I, I love about this is like the saturated colors and, you know, fun little costumes that Wes Anderson is so famous for are able to shine in a way that is not like quite as affected in a way that maybe like kind of moonrise kingdom comes to mind in a way that like, I mean, I like that movie a lot, but it's sort of, I found it a little grating at times that it was so Wes Anderson, whereas I didn't as much with fantastic Mr. Fox, Mm -hmm. but if I feel like it really has almost like a, uh, um, like a dollhouse feel to it. And mm. it's like quite literally like small and stop motion. So it's, you know, it fits into that kind of like dollhouse world. Like when they are building or they re- when they're remodeling the tree house for the Fox family, um, I felt like that was very sort of like dollhouse esque where you can kind of like see inside and like all the different levels and they're like painting the walls and like putting up like cute little, you know, floral patterned curtains. And I don't know, I just thought it was so, so cute. And I wish I had a dollhouse like that. Yeah. Yeah. This that is a really good way to describe this is just like the like most incredible dollhouse ever. Definitely. Yeah. Speaking of that reminds me of. Like when that scene when they are building the house and the the camera is sort of panning around, going up and down um, the different floors as as I think there's like squirrels, mm-hmm. squirrels are, yeah. are working on it and there's yeah, like it's all squirrels. there's idle dialogue from like the construction manager or whatever and he's just barking orders at them and there's other moments like that that I don't know for some reason I just thought they were especially funny just having these animal creatures saying like very human things. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I actually have that. That's that's one of my points later, which we can talk about this now, because I mean, I think that is ultimately one of kind of one of the most charming things about this movie and the way that I think. And it's not like the wink and nod kind of adult humor that I think like maybe Pixar is famous for. That's like, oh, there's like a sexual innuendo here, but like kids would never get that, which I mean, that's fine. I I don't want to make it sound like I don't enjoy that because I do. But like these are like wink and nod because we're talking about like, can you afford the mortgage on this tree? Yes. And like <laughs> replacing like swear words with cuss. 
in a way that's just like not really ever explained or explored and like the animals are all american even though this appears to take place in the uk and just there's just like all these little things that there's no reason a kid would pay attention to these details or give a shit if they did notice but you know for whatever reason i find them extremely funny um I was a little bit confused about sort of that real lifeness because at least in America, you generally don't have like a superintendent for your mortgaged home. So the whole relationship between the foxes and and Kylie, I thought was a little bit strange. Like, I guess, is it like, is it more of like a condo? So there would be kind of like a superintendent in like the larger building. Mm. I don't know. I just thought that was weird and interesting and maybe a UK thing. Um, oh yeah, interesting. I just kind of assumed that Kylie was like the like the general contract guy with the real estate company that was selling the house, kind of like how how that one our last property management company, like they basically always would send the same guy out to our house to to fix it. Also, shout out JR if you're listening. You're a fucking <laughs> legend. You're you're a great guy. Uh anyways, yeah. I, that's kind of what but he like, also I, he also seemed to live with them right yeah that's what i was kind of confused by because like there was the whole situation where they like sneak in oh no i didn't think he lived with them i oh. thought he, i thought he was just like returning to the tree so he could like i don't know change out of his bandit hat and like drop off the loot and then go back to his house i think he was just in the house a lot because he was he was mr fox's partner in crime hmm. I, I did i guess i didn't assume he lived with them I thought he was just like over for dinner or whatever. Like they're just friends because he, you know, he gave Mr. Fox a minnow. <laughs> right. Just yeah. pals. I don't know. I guess I just thought he was living with them. So um, I was a little bit maybe. confused. I have no I have no idea. I just I just assumed, you know. What I assumed. I mean, was. I think there was a scene where he was in pajamas or something. Yeah. That's why I thought that. Yeah. Like right before they so started digging. Yeah. Maybe in the animal world. The, the muskrat is like a subservient creature. Oh, he's a possum. He's a possum, okay. Yeah. No, and I only say that because it is relevant to a later animal joke, but uh, we can get to that when we when we talk about these a little bit more. Uh, oh, no, I guess, no, we're in that section. What am I talking yeah, about? Yeah, we're talking in all about yeah, the animal yeah, yeah. jokes. <laughs> so, yeah, the animal jokes, kind of the first one that's really obvious is when, uh, when Mr. Fox is... the. They're talking about moving out of the hole or the burrow that the Fox family lives in. Um, and they do this right before Christofferson comes to stay with them. Uh, and he's at his <clears throat> his lawyer's house, uh, his badger friend, who's like Mr. Badger in the movie, uh, played by Bill Murray, which is like <laughs> another thing I have here in the notes is like a thing that's really fun about this movie is like spot that Wes Anderson actor by like listening to the voice and trying to figure out like, where's Owen Wilson and Bill Murray anyways. So he's talking to, uh, Mr. Badger Esquire, I guess. Yeah. Um, <laughs> about, you know, this tree and the Badger's like, Hey, d- don't move here. And he's like, I'm going to move here. And he's like the cuss you are. And then they like get in this, this, uh, shouting match, which devolves into them, like, making claw hands at each other and snarling and like moving around in a circle. And it's like, it, it changes so seamlessly from them talking about like, Oh, you don't tell me what to do. And he's like, Oh, you're self-absorbed and whatever. And then they're just like spitting and snarling, which is extremely funny. I like, 
The first time I saw this movie, I fucking died at that scene. I thought it was the funniest thing I'd ever seen. Um, but anyways, you know, this this kind of stuff comes up about like, oh, these are animals, right? They're doing human stuff. But there is like these weird little elements of uh, animalness to them. Uh, and one of my favorite ones, and I didn't realize this until this most recent viewing was there's a scene where uh, Mr. Fox is talking about all the different animals. This is like after the the farmers have like teamed up to to get all the animals and like, you know, dig out the foxhole and they've ruined the woods and all this, this and that. And so, you know, he's talking about, oh, rabbits are fast and, you know, foxes are clever and all, you know, all that kind of stuff. And then Kylie, his opossum friend, is like, oh, what am I going to do? And Mr. Fox is like, you know, you're just, available you're you're kylie you're just good to have around which is like funny on its face just because it's like oh haha this guy's not good at anything and but (laughs) mr fox is trying to let him down easy but i learned very recently that possums are like like taxonomically considered not specialized at anything and like i don't understand you know animal biology or like kind of the field well enough to sort of explain what what the difference is but i think it's like you know uh predators you know they're like fast and they are good at smelling and whatever and so they're good at like hunting things down right or like bats can fucking fly and whatever but possums just kind of hang out and they're alive but they don't like do anything they're not really good at anything and i didn't realize that was something you could be scientifically but possums are that so i have to assume that was intentional on behalf of the writers for this joke is just like oh what do you get at and you're just like you know you're just around uh and then this of course is later uh this gag is extended when uh when mr fox is like trying to pick a lock or you know get in the door and he's like, oh, Kylie, give me your credit card. And he gives him a titanium card. And he's like, what? How did you qualify for this? He's like, I, I just pay my bills on time. I've always had good credit. And that's just kind of the joke of like, oh, it's a good thing we had you around. Uh, so that was that's one of those jokes that I just got that I was, you know, I was like, a when did this come out? 2009. So I was like, I was a teen when this came out. So I definitely didn't so get are there, that. Are there lots of zoological jokes like that in this movie because i don't think i really picked up on 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 any unless they were super obvious i mean that's the one i remember and i think it's just because i learned so recently about this weird possum fact but i have to assume (laughs) there are others i mean i think it was sort of like again kind of like reiterated when mr fox is like going around and they're trying to like divvy up the tasks for how they're going to take down the the humans. And um, there's like a couple of gags where like he says the, the various animals names and they're like the Latin. Oh, yeah. The Latin, like their Latin name, the official name. And because of like various sort of Latin words, like they're assigned a, a task, except for Badger, who becomes the demolitions expert. Oh, yeah. Or specialist. And then Kylie, who is just, you know. He's just around. He's just around. He's just available. (laughs) Um, And so I I think that's kind of like where that came from. I don't I don't know why Badger was the demolition specialist, but um, I think that was just 
a personality thing because uh-huh. I think the joke had been up to that point. It's like, oh, rabbits are fast. And then badgers, you are going to think like, oh, they're good at digging or whatever. And he's like, no, I like setting things on fire and blowing <laughs> them up. And I think that's that's the joke. So, OK, but I would imagine. Yeah. If you were to watch this with somebody who kind of like knew a lot about animal biology, they would they would probably find more of these jokes. But. uh yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's it's quite funny, I think. That's like those are those jokes that again, they're not for children, but they're not not for kids cuz I know as a kid I knew a bunch of this like really random bullshit about animals just from watching Animal Planet and stuff. So I have to assume there are like other like weird shut-in kids like me watching this in 2009 when it came out and they were just like, "Oh, I learned that on Animal Planet." And they're <laughs> They're feeling real smart for getting the joke and their parents are just like, what the fuck are you talking about? Because that's how it usually went for me. Yeah, I would do that, but with like dinosaurs, which is arguably less useful because they don't <laughs> exist anymore. They're yeah, just, yeah, I was I kind of I went through a, a similar phase of dinosaurs. I remember I had the Magic School Bus like dinosaur times game for the computer and just knew a bunch of facts from that one. I did not have a like weird interest in animals like that when I was a child. I don't know what I was into. I mean, I was into ballet. I know that was that was like my whole personality. You had like dolls and stuff. Yeah, but like, you know, other interests that were like, I don't know, interesting. Right, 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 right. Well, I did have like these little... They were called calico critters. I was gonna say, yeah, they're actually very, very, very similar to like to this. dollhouse and like animals. They were like these like calico critters, and they're like these like small, I don't know, maybe like three inch high like little animals, and you have like little clothes that they wear. You don't like get to change their clothes. They just like live in cute little houses. And I had like a hedgehog and like a fuzzy little mouse and like a bear that was just like small and cute. So very relevant to the the dollhouse aesthetic that I was talking about before. They are really cute and they don't they don't exactly look like the characters in this movie, but they're pretty close. Yeah, I feel like the the one I don't know. I feel like they're more like cartoony in the Calico Critter version. They're a little chunkier. Yeah. Whereas I feel like the Fantastic Mr. Fox animals. I mean, they needed to actually like move around in like a somewhat realistic way. I mean, they're they are more or less like. (laughs) people with animal heads yeah and like fuzzy bodies but you know yeah they have like a opposable thumbs and i enjoyed how like like dirty and scruffy a lot of the animals looked especially with those with those wes anderson style like centered frame close-ups on them and you can Mm -hmm. just see like oh this this fox is really like dirty and (laughs) grimy from like living underground and like digging for weeks yeah. on end. Yeah, very yeah. fun. I also liked when he gets his tail cut off. Shot off. Shot off. Yeah, yeah we, when he gets his tail shot off and he just has like this bandage with like this hole through his coat jacket. Yeah, through his like blazer. Yeah. <laughs> and then it, it like flaps around when he's like moving. There's just this like hole. I don't know. I just thought that was like very cute and I don't know, very silly. And... Yeah, the visual gags in this movie are really, really good. Because we uh, we did our a previous episode, right, about, uh, what's it called? Missing Link. And, you know, that's like 
has its own like very specific, you know, style of stop motion. And I would I would argue like a little bit more impressive. Definitely. Leica is sort of known for just this like really visually stunning, you know, smoothness of motion and sort of these incredible, you know, sprawling sets and this sort of thing. But I think in a way, Fantastic Mr. Fox kind of gets to the heart of like what animation is really good for in that there's just these constant visual gags of like, you know, the patch in Mr. Fox's blazer flapping. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. I, I, it, it's a, uh, I don't want to say it used the medium more effectively. Cause I don't think that's exactly true, but it felt a little bit more like a, like a Looney Tunes or like a Saturday morning cartoon feel to it of like really kind of understanding the roots of like where it came from and like what people and I guess specifically what kids really respond to which is these really you know really obvious visual metaphors and gags um yeah and I think also it lends itself to the sort of Wes Anderson style of humor of like non sequitur stuff and and people saying things that are like not what normal people talk like and that sort of thing uh there's a recurring gag of of kylie his eyes get all like loopy <laughs> you don't know if he's paying attention or other characters don't know if he's paying attention uh and just like the immediate transition of like the center frame close up with like the eyes all unfocused and weird is it's something that i find funny just throughout the movie um, but, but there are plenty of visual gags. There's like the sequence of, uh, Felicity and Mr. Fox, like ninja jumping through the squab farm in the beginning and, and similar stuff like that, that they just work really well in stop motion. And I, I just get the feeling that this is what Wes Anderson almost wishes he could do with human actors. Cause it just, <laughs> it just seems to fit so seamlessly with his aesthetic of like the yeah them like flipping and cartwheeling around and swinging off of lights and all this sort of stuff while the camera you know slowly and steadily dollies in a, you know one horizontal direction <laughs> yeah uh, yeah or like the sort of cutaway of the ground where everyone is digging mm-hmm. yeah um, oh yeah because that visually that reminds me of uh there's a scene in my favorite Wes Anderson movie, The Grand Budapest Hotel, where they're all on snowmobiles, and it's very visually similar to that. It is really similar to that. Yeah. Yeah, I was also wondering what it, like, because you said earlier, you know, you like some and dislike other Wes Anderson films, and I was wondering which one you like, but yeah, if I had to pick one, I'd also probably go with Grand Budapest Hotel is my favorite. I think I'd have to say that it's fantastic Mr. Fox for me just because it's like so delightful without any of the, I don't know. It's just, there's, yeah, there's a darkness to Grand Budapest Hotel. Yeah. 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 And I just like, I don't know. It's very, very wholesome and very lovely. Yeah. Speaking of non sequiturs though, I do want to bring up the, the wolf. Oh yeah. What a transition. Way to go. Yeah. (laughs) Um, which I just, I feel like it makes me laugh every time because like, I do not understand. I like all of a sudden this like beautiful autumnal scenery turns <laughs> into like a snowy forest, like maybe, I don't know, a hundred yards away from where the characters are. <laughs> and there's this, this wolf that just sort of stands there. And then like, 
uh, Mr. Fox is just sort of talking about how, you know, like this animal is so majestic and it's a real wild animal. And then it like cuts back to the to the wolf and the wolf just like picks up a paw and like a black power sort of like. Well, it's even better because like Mr. Fox is trying to speak with the wolf and he's like, oh, I don't think he speaks English. And then like, I think what does he speak French to it or something? Mm hmm. Uh, and kind of like tries to convey all this stuff to the wolf and doesn't. And then at the end, the end kind of gives up and just holds up a single fist. And the wolf responds by holding a single <laughs> fist. It's also like so it's like a great like physical comedy part of the movie. Just because like it's a wolf, you know, standing more or less like a wolf would and then just picks up this paw in a totally unnatural way. Just like its whole arm is like sort of like bent sideways as just if like it was thrust just into the air. Yeah. yeah. To give the fist and then runs away. Yeah. Yeah. That's like kind of just the very end of the movie too. It's like right after they pull off the heist. Why is that there? I have no idea. I don't know, but it's really funny and I'm glad it's there. Yeah, I think it's interesting because they sort of set you up for they set you up for an encounter with a wolf at some point. Mm-hmm. But they right. set it up by saying that he's you know he's afraid of wolves or something, so you expect that's going to come yeah. into play, and at some point and like you know ruin their plans or something. But then he just says it's a beautiful animal, and then they move on. <laughs> they move on. Yeah. <laughs> Similarly, with like the there's like a early on, I think during the first heist with Kylie and Mr. Fox, and they're talking about the things that they're afraid of. And Mr. Fox is afraid of wolves. And Kylie is afraid of thunderstorms, <laughs> which is funny because um, Felicity, Mr. Fox's wife is like a landscape artist and she paints primarily thunderstorms. So you just like see her painting thunderstorms throughout the film, which I think is funny. And then at the very end, when they're trying to rescue Christofferson, who was kidnapped, um, there's a thunderstorm going on. And I feel like it's sort of like you, you go on, I kind of get the sense of like, oh, there's going to be some tension. Like Kyle's going to drop the ball because he's afraid of, you know, the, the, the thunder, or at least that was like what I assumed. And I kind of still kind of get antsy about whenever I watch it again, but no, just there's just some thunder and they all just like keep going on with their lives. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know. It's, it's very goofy in that way. Um, kind of like my like masturbatory like film guy take on why the wolf is there <laughs> is like it's sort of representing you know Mr. Fox's ability to like finally reconcile his like wildness with his domestic life because you know after this it's pretty much just the end of the film where it shows all the animals living like in the sewer I believe uh, and you know stealing from supermarkets instead of from farms and how they've because, you know, the woods have been destroyed one way or another. And, and then they're all readjusting to their new life. And so this theft becomes a little bit more civilized because he's stealing from the supermarket instead of from the farm. And, you know, him making peace with his phobia of wolves and kind of this like 
his recognizing like this is a true wild animal and I'm this like weird suburban animal, I guess. <laughs> it's also funny because his first sort of turn to domesticity happens when his wife announced her first pregnancy. Oh yeah. And then the second one happens when she's like, Oh, I'm pregnant again and I really like how they all like light up. Oh yeah, like, that's the... like my favorite visual gag of the whole movie. <laughs> like they turn into actual like lights. Yeah, yeah, because it starts with uh with um the you know the very beginning when felicity says i'm pregnant and he says wow you're glowing and then it cuts back to her and she's literally like a lamp she's like a i don't even know what this is called but it the way the only time i've ever really seen a similar style of lamp is with christmas decorations and you have like santa or like a nativity scene and it's just like these plastic molds of people with, you know, a single light bulb inside and they're illuminated from within. And that's kind of what they look like in this movie. I have to assume it's basically like the same kind of thing. But yeah, that's definitely what they look like. I would agree. Yeah. Yeah. Why? Why was she glowing? It's just a thing that I it's like a goofy thing that people say to pregnant women. Probably to like make them feel better about like feeling so like awful. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's just like a thing that I really only have ever heard in reference to like women when they're pregnant is like, oh, you're glowing. And I don't know. It's 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 strange. Uh, yeah, I wasn't sure what was going on there because I thought that she well, I thought that someone had shown a light on her. Like I thought that they. Oh, like a spotlight. Had, like, oh. Yeah, like a spotlight. Oh, but it wasn't super clear. So I, maybe I'm wrong. No, it's it's literally just there. The phrase "you're glowing" is often used in reference to pregnant women. Yeah. Specifically, and I don't know exactly why, but but then it's I don't you know because it's animation you can you can take those things and like, make really, them literal. Yeah, run with them and turn people into lamps. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let's take a break. Before we get back into the discussion, I'm just going to remind you to please follow us on Twitter. We are at MotionPickPals. You can sign up for our newsletter at Substack, or no, sorry, at MotionPicturePals.substack.com. And you can join our Discord at uh, bit, bit.ly slash MotionPicturePals should be the link. I really I so. had to dig deep for those. I usually <laughs> remember them, no problem. But, uh, Anyways, go ahead and please do that uh, for the reasons that I've said in previous episodes. I don't remember those, and I, I've drank too much to recall them. I mean, we had fun discussions this week all sharing our uh, unique dialect maps. That's right. We did. We took that New York Times quiz about, like, you know, where in America do you speak like? Uh, we all, I mean, pretty predictably got, like, West Coast, but... The nuances within those were fun. And we talked about all the funny things that heathens around this country call things like, uh, you know, people call fireflies peeny wallies. What the fuck is that about? I don't know. And like your your friend from like Pennsylvania, the yin. Oh, yeah. Yeah. 
how people from Pittsburgh say yins instead of you guys or you or y'all. That doesn't make any sense. Yeah, you know, I don't know. That, that's kind of fun. It that's sounds like, like a, a slur. Yeah, I, the first time he referred to himself as a yinzer, I thought it was like some kind of like slur for maybe Jewish people. I don't know. But speaking of slurs for Jewish people, Travis brought up before we, <laughs> before we started recording uh, about Roald Dahl's uh, anti-Semitism, which I had never actually heard about until... Yeah, well, there's opening credits, and I I didn't actually know this was based on a book, and this is based on the book by Roald Dahl, and I, in my head, I was like, oh, Roald Dahl, I heard he was, like, extremely anti-Semitic, so I just pulled up some, some readings, and yeah, I mean, he said a lot of, his books weren't necessarily anti-Semitic, um, like I guess he was smart enough to not do that, but like unlike <laughs> JK Rowling, quotes, right? He he has a lot of quotes that are just extremely extremely anti-Semitic. Um, he said that he believed that Jews controlled the media and the world, and you know all that sort of Yikes. stuff. Yeah. Um, and then I I just learned apparently. Um, um, Taika, Taika Watiti, he is, he has signed on to do some Roald Dahl adaptations, uh, for, for Netflix in some capacity. Um, Ooh. something, something about Charlie and the Chocolate Factory and Oompa Loompas, which that's sounds really stupid, but aside from like my personal tastes, I guess, um, I mean, I, uh, mixed feelings on like Jojo Rabbit, but I, I think, one of the things that most people uh, agreed was a good aspect of that movie was uh, portrayal of Hitler as, by the director himself, who is Jewish. As a, I don't yeah. know, as a way to like clap back at Hitler or something, who is dead. So <laughs> to yeah, clap back to really dunk on Hitler. Yeah, 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 yeah. Jewish and indigenous, which is right. Cool, you know, good for him. Uh, it's an interesting intersection. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. And the stuff that I found about Roald Dahl's anti-Semitism, it was kind of like I got kind of red herringed in a way because I'm just looking at the the section in Roald Dahl's Wikipedia article called Reputed Anti-Semitism. Um, and kind of it starts with him having what more or less sounds like a principled stance against like Israel and sort of imperialism in the Middle East and specifically, um, you know, the, the war with Lebanon in the eighties and this sort of stuff. And I was like, Oh, is he getting, is like, did he get like the Ilhan Omar treatment where he said something like mildly critical of Israel and then, you know, got painted as this vicious anti-Semite, but then like, you know, very shortly later, he starts talking about like traits of the Jewish character and that sort of thing. And so Yikes. it's like, well, okay, maybe, maybe there's a little of both going on here. Yeah. So, you know, on one hand, I'm sure, you know, his like anti-Israel sentiments didn't help his portrayal as an anti-Semite, but it's also very clearly not just like a, a wholly fabricated thing of him being anti-Semitic. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So. I feel like if you're kind of, you know, characterizing and 
you know, what, painting with broad brushes about like, oh, this is just the, the Jewish way of being. I don't know. That's very fucking yeah, anti-Semitic. And it's really bad. I mean, I'll, I'll find the quote. It's, uh, yeah, Dahl told a reporter in 1983, there's a trait in the Jewish character that does provoke animosity. Maybe it's a kind of lack of generosity towards non-Jews. I mean, there's always a reason why anti-anything crops up anywhere. Even a stinker like Hitler didn't just pick on them for no reason. Oh, so fuck. It's, yeah, it's really bad. Whoa. Whoa. Because, <laughs> like, it, this starts with quotes about, like, oh, you know, they killed all these civilians when they bombed Beirut. And, you know, I think it's wrong what they're doing in the Middle East. And so I was reading and I was like, oh, yeah, you know, yeah, definitely. And then he's just like, but even, you know, maybe Hitler had some good points. And I was like, oh, maybe not. I'm kind of alarmed that yeah. it's just reputed anti-Semitism. It seems very like it's just it's very clearly anti-Semitism. If he's just like saying on the record to reporters that like maybe Hitler had some good ideas. That's, you know, I think you can pretty firmly just say it's anti-Semitism at that point. Definitely. Uh, yeah. I was trying to yeah. pull up that that quote about about Hitler, but the listicle website has turned on me. It's it's paywalled all of a sudden. I don't oh, know no. what happened. No, no, <laughs> that's stressful. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and I, I mean, reading later, I think actually a lot of this does kind of make his way or make its way into his writing. Uh, we don't we don't need to get into it. It's it's just pretty offensive and you know I think we've given a pretty clear uh, indication of how this man felt about Jews and how it's uh it's pretty uh not chill if I might say so myself but anyways we we can get back to the movie now. yeah we, we can I guess for this discussion we can we can kill the author and and yeah we've had to do that a lot lately thanks JK Rowling yeah. Uh, we did have to retcon our cat's name, actually, because of this. Uh, I mean, her name is still Luna, but now she's officially, uh, you know, named after the Roman moon goddess and not Luna Lovegood, oh, which see. was originally the the plan. But, you know, we have to distance ourselves from uh, no the one. transphobes. Yeah. So this yeah. is uh, our cat says trans rights. Yeah. As do we. I mean, really, that's just the moon. That's, you know. If you go if yeah. you go into sci-fi, they'll call the moon Luna if they have multiple moons to refer to. Right. Yes. Right. Definitely. And call Earth Terra because it for yeah. some fucking reason people started <laughs> like stopped calling it the Earth. That's something that's always like confused me about future sci-fi. It's like why why did people stop calling it Earth? But Well, anyways. I think it's because like there's the Earth and there's the moon and there's the sun. And then, but if you start, but if you, if you then go to a, like a, if you go to a world where there's, there's multiple solar systems, then you can't really do that anymore. So you have to get more specific. I mean, instead of yes. like the earth that we walk on, it's, oh, it's, it's, it's planet Terra or whatever. Yeah, that's true. I mean, I see the utility of that, but nothing in human history leads me to believe that we would like stop being such fucking narcissists for any amount right. of time that we would just be like, yeah, but like this is the earth, you know, it's like, yeah, you there's like, you know, you plant your seeds in the earth on like whatever other planet you're on. But like, you know, you know what we mean when we say earth kind of like, you know what we mean when we say like people, it's like we really just mean white guys. Yeah. Uh, I was going to say the West, but, exactly. you know, yeah, similar well, like sentiments. West from where? You know, anyways. 
There's some central point in like I don't know. It's the prime meridian. I don't know. It's not though, because like that's I guess it just runs in, right through like that's Europe. just in England. Yeah. So like, anyways. Wow, we really got off on a tangent. <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, what have we not talked? George oh, the soundtrack. Clooney. George Clooney. What's up with the, what's that guy? What's I didn't know that George Clooney was in this film, even though I had seen it like a bajillion times. Saw the movie poster. Probably watched the credits. It didn't click until this last time. Well, I mean, yeah. he just has like such a distinct voice and performance that that was like all I could really think about. And I don't really know any George Clooney movies off the top of my head, but just because of how like culturally significant and present that man is, it was really difficult for me to like to not hear George Clooney and a film I've never even seen, Ocean's Eleven. I, mm-hmm. I just kept thinking about that because I feel like that's the oh, primary yeah. reason they cast heists. George Clooney as this as this fox who does heists because like when he when he would lay out his plan to the to the possum and he'd be like <laughs> this is what we're gonna do and this like heist music would kick in I was like this is this is like an Ocean's Eleven parody I think maybe or like a, <laughs> a dig at it or a nod to it or something I don't know yeah. Cam and I were also surprised to see that it was Meryl Streep who played Felicity. Yeah. Um, who also has one of my favorite lines in this movie is like when she catches Kylie and Christopherson and Mr. Fox coming back from a heist. She's like, if what I think is happening is happening, it better not be. <laughs> Just like, what does that mean? But I God, feel like it's it, really she's funny. Got some great like fantastic oh i did the okay sign i'm gonna change it to a thumbs up she did a like she has like a fantastic like mom energy in this um in this film where she's just kind of like low-key and casual and it's like okay whatever honey but then we'll just kind of i don't know maybe channeling that 2008 mama mia energy into this role yeah definitely yeah. Also, speaking of George Clooney and his like voice acting, I found this really funny little like page. It's a it's on a website called BehindTheVoiceActors.com, and there's there's one for George Clooney, and the the thing just says George Clooney is a voice actor known for voicing Mr. Fox and Doctor Goash, and Doctor Goash is just like a random character from South Park. It appears, but it's like I don't know why. It's very funny to me. <laughs> To refer to George Clooney as like a voice actor known for voicing Mr. Fox. It's like, that's not what he's known for. Come on. Like, you don't have to lie. I know this is a voice actor site, but you can just say he's an actor. One of the the aspects of this movie that won several awards was the soundtrack, which I really enjoyed. I mean, I, th- I, I really like Wes Anderson soundtracks. I know they're kind of divisive as like, oh, uh, they're like too you know they're like kind of corny and they are but you know i enjoy corny media i'm not i'm not ashamed to admit it um but i i specifically really enjoy the soundtrack of fantastic mr fox uh for many reasons but also because it contains one of my favorite pieces of diegetic music which is Petey's song (laughs) that he sings about like the animals stealing stuff from the farmers and Petey is just like this side character he's the assistant to farmer bean who's you know just one of the trio of bad guys and he's, he's like he's like the prominent bad yeah guy. he's the, he's the ringleader definitely. yeah who is also um uh Albus Dumbledore yeah that's right 
Yeah, Michael Gam- Gambin. Yeah. Gambon, I don't know. Anyways. Uh, yeah, Petey's just like his assistant, and he's uh, designed to kind of look like John Lennon, which I also find really funny. And so there's just this really fucking random scene around a campfire where Petey's just like strumming on a guitar and singing. And it does this like Wes Anderson-ass camera movement of like the camera is apparently inside the fire and just kind of turns 360 degrees to get all the people like blowing into jugs and playing jaw harps and like, you know, I don't I think there's a guy like pounding on a log with branches to do drums. But like and very like whimsy. Yeah, it's really yeah. fun. It's a very fun scene and a great song. And, you know, Petey's singing about the fox and, you know, interspersed between each verse is the chorus is just him scatting like, you know, dee diddle dum zibby za zibby zay, kind of that kind of stuff. Uh, and it's kind of cross cut with, you know, Petey singing and animations of the animals stealing stuff. And then at the very end, it cuts back to Petey, but it's it's zoomed way out. And <laughs> Farmer Bean is standing behind him smoking a cigarette. And there's this whole thing where he's like yelling at Petey about scatting and like Petey's saying, oh, he, he, you know, he made he's just making the song up as he goes along. And and the and Mr. Bean yells, you know, you wrote a bad song, Petey, and throws his like flicks his cigarette into Petey's chest and walks away, which is one of my other favorite scenes of this movie because it just completely ends the song and he's like you wrote a bad song pt and throws the cigarette <laughs> and walks off and i don't know it's and like pt kind of has this dejected look on his face until it cuts to whatever animal hijinks happen after this but that's if i had to that's probably my single favorite scene in this movie uh, I also really love the lighting effect every time uh, Bean is smoking cigarettes, how it just like really subtly illuminates like the end of his nose and his eyes. Uh, I just think that's a really cool effect. And it happens, you know, several times. There's a lot of like low light scenes in this movie, which is, I think, a cool choice for stop motion. And especially in a movie like this, where everything is so saturated and so like pastel colored. Uh I, I don't know. I, I like that. And, it, and, you know, I think Mr. Bean is not that Mr. Bean, but Farmer Bean. Is, uh, <laughs> he's introduced as, you know, one of the scariest men currently alive. And, you know, his his introductions, I think, are very they're very in keeping with that. And like his wife is this like really like shrewish harridan of a woman. And yeah, the, the character design of, of every character, but especially the human characters, I think, works really well in this movie. I think my favorite scene is when... <laughs> it's when, like, Ash is being an asshole right after Christofferson arrives, and they're in, like, his bedroom, oh, and, yeah. like, Ash climbs up onto the top bunk and... He's just sort of like being like mean to Christofferson and Christofferson's just like, I want to sleep not underneath your like train table. (laughs) And Ash is just being a huge asshole. And then Christofferson ends up, you know, unfolding his like sleeping bag into like sleep underneath the train table. And then Ash just like, yeah, he's crying. And then. I don't know, spurred by, like, Ash's tears, which are audible, Ash just, like, comes down and, like, turns on his train table. He's just playing with the train while Christopherson weeps underneath it. 
But then Christopherson like comes up and like is also playing with the train and it's like ends up being almost kind of sweet, but it's yeah, it's real. It's really funny. It's such like a kid moment where like they don't know how to like communicate their needs and like desires. And I, I don't mean, know. I, I just like all of the scenes between Ash and Christopherson and that whole dynamic, especially the one where they're at school and he gets jealous because his lab partner is like checking out oh yeah christopherson <laughs> so good yeah and it's like accusing her of disloyalty <laughs> for like not paying attention he's like i thought you were my lab partner <laughs> uh, i love ash yeah um, he's a great character he's like wearing the cape the cape spitting on the floor is and funny. like his like pants tucked into his socks and his fucking tube sock bandit mask. I love oh, it so yeah. much. The bandit hat tube sock is really funny. That's Rebecca's acts like her avatar on a lot of various uh, internet yeah things. Like I think on Discord and Steam at mm-hmm. least, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah. That one. I also, for whatever reason, when. Uh, Christofferson is giving Ash the karate lesson to like bust him out of the apple crate. Uh, I mean, that's just like a very funny thing because he like teaches him how to like meditate and center himself first when he's just trying to like punch through the padlock is I think the plan. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but then there's just the the line when he's telling him, you know, to like snap his fist back after the punch. And he's like, remember, it's the pullback that generates the force of the impact. And like, I've always thought that line is so fucking funny. Because, like, it's obviously not the pullback that generates the force of the impact. But, yeah, that's that's a great scene. I think, yeah, a, a lot of the, like, heist scenes at the end of the movie really shine. Like, the chase with the rabid beagle. Mm-hmm. Um... Yeah, the, you know, breaking Christofferson out of the apple crate, uh, all that stuff. Really enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah, also, like, beagles loving blueberries and, like, super gluing blueberries with, like, tranquilizer in the middle of them to, like, shoot out of a blowgun to the beagles so they eat them (laughs) and fall asleep. Uh, Oh, yeah, and, like, all the beagles, their eyes get all wacky. They turn into stars right before they, like, pass out. Except the rabid beagle, who has the same... Oh, no, he causes other people to get the spiral eyes, like uh Yeah, because Mr. Fox gets, like, traumatized by being chased around, and then he has the same spiral, spiral eyes, and he does the, the hand signal. <laughs> Just like the Kylie little, does. Just the little, like, karate chop hand signal. I uh, did wonder why some of the animals were more anthropomorphic and spoke english and then some of them like the beagles just seem to be like normal animals or the chickens right, right. that is i never actually like thought about that before yeah well because i i had considered this and i was like oh maybe it's just mammals but then it's like no the dogs are <laughs> stupid <laughs> so i guess not and maybe because they aren't wild maybe because I feel like that's like a big thing that, you know, Mr. Fox goes on about at the end. You know, like we're all wild animals, like mm-hmm. as they're, you know, like feasting on this dinner in the sewers. I don't know. Very amusing. Yeah, I guess it's just the domestic animals that are normal mm-hmm. animals, the chickens and the dogs. And I can't think of any others. Turkeys. 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 The ducks and geese. Oh, yeah, yeah. The rest of the 
the rest of the farm birds, I guess. The fowl. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I don't think there's a lot of internal logic to be had. I think it's it's pretty purely like plot contrivances as to like yeah. who is sentient and who is just like a dumb animal. But yeah, it is funny. And I mean, maybe there's something more to the whole like wild versus domestic in like intelligence. the book. Oh, I was just maybe as oh. like an extended metaphor within the movie. But I don't think so. I think it's just fun and delightful. Probably. Probably, but I mean, we are a movies podcast, and I think it's kind of our duty to read into things, but that's neither here nor there. Uh, I have to assume the book is less in-depth with this sort of stuff. Because it's an actual kid's book? Yeah. Well, yeah, because they're all doll books. Uh, are they're just pretty simplistic. Sort of, they're, they're, yeah, they're really short, right? They're pretty short. I think they're, yeah, like very like concise sentences, just very digestible for kids. I don't uh, think I've ever read one of his books. I've seen, you know, James and the Giant Peach. I don't think I've seen like any of the Charlie and the Chocolate Factory stuff or like oh, the really? big friend friendly. I haven't read the big family the BFG, the or big any fucking guy. Yeah, yeah, haven't. Yeah. I remember, like, that's what all, like, the weird kids read in, like, fourth grade. So I was like, nah, I'm not going to read that. Yeah, that's true. There was all the weirdos in elementary school mm-hmm. who were reading the BFG. Yeah. James and the Giant yeah, Peach. Like, my that's teachers a made us read the BFG. Oh. oh. Well. There's a whole class of weirdos. It. Yeah, a whole yeah. class of weirdos. <laughs> uh, yeah. yeah. I was, like, too busy reading, like, you know... Nancy Drew, I think. Yeah. And I'm like the boxcar children. I was really into like kid mysteries. Yeah, I'm looking up the James and the Giant Peach movie now because that's that's one that I remember being really weird. Yeah, I I was a movie we actually owned. It was like one of the few because I didn't grow up watching a lot of a lot of films. And weirdly, as a kid who was very scared of movies, and Rebecca being a kid who is weirdly yes. scared of movies, James and the Giant Peach is like a uniquely horrifying movie. I feel like I'd just seen it like a million times, so it, it wasn't scary. scary. Yeah. 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 And I feel like I remember, maybe I did read James and the Giant Peach, because I feel like I remember having a lot of assumptions about what was supposed to happen. Like when they go, we're just talking about a totally different movie now, That's okay. but when they like, we go... talked about anti-Semitism for a while. So <laughs> I think we kind of, this bottle has been like opened. Yeah. When they like go to the Arctic or something like that on the peach. And like, there's like all like the ghosts and like the skeletons that didn't happen in the book. And I feel like I remember, or like yeah, assuming that happened when I read about. the book. Oh, have you seen the movie? No. No, okay. Well, <laughs> never mind. I'm just going to shut up. <laughs> this is irrelevant. <laughs> oh, boy. That's funny. Um, yeah. Yeah, and I guess like a sort of tenuous connection between James and the Giant Peach and Fantastic Mr. Fox is like Tim Burton was a producer on James and the Giant Peach. And I mean, you can pretty clearly see the parallels between that and, you know, like Nightmare Before Christmas and all that kind of stuff. Uh, and the, the animation studio that did Fantastic Mr. Fox is the same one that did Corpse Bride, which was, I think actually a much later, uh, Tim Burton movie, if I remember correctly, but 
They also both have stop motion animation in them, which is right. an interesting parallel. Right. Definitely. But we're not talking about James and the Giant Peach anymore. <laughs> exactly. We're talking about Fantastic Mr. Fox. Uh, another thing that I found kind of interesting about this movie is, uh, Rebecca, you put this in the notes, is that they recorded some of the audio outside, like out in a forest. Yeah. Uh, and, and like then, underground, like yeah, in burrows. Exactly. Yeah, I read a little bit more. And so they're in burrows, they're outside, they're in attics, they're doing all of this record, this voice recording on location, which I thought was pretty fun. Um, and then kind of pursuing that same vein, I, uh, I was reading about just the production of this movie and, you know, they, they talk about, or I guess Wes Anderson specifically talks about uh, really wanting the aesthetic of the movie and the setting to look like uh, where Roald Dahl kind of grew up and where I presume that uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox was written. Um, and I thought it was really funny because I was looking it up and it's just like the most British fucking place you could ever imagine. I'm just going to read you. Uh, I'm just going to read you some of the stuff that Wikipedia has to say about this place. So they went to this place called Great Missenden, uh, which is and I'm quoting now an affluent village with approximately 2000 residents in the Missbourne Valley in the Chiltern Hills in Buckinghamshire, England. Situated between the towns of Amersham and Wendover. <laughs> and I, I, British That's names dumb. of like places and things are something I've been thinking about for at no particular reason lately. And it's just like, I don't what is up with fucking the names of towns in England? Like, why are they all like that? Like, what was it like Buckinghamshire? Yeah, Buckinghamshire is the county, I believe. I don't know exactly what the what the level of like denomination there is. But yeah, like the Misborn Valley and the Chiltern Hills between Amersham and Wendover. It's like because there's something about American towns that's just like they just have regular fucking names or they have like or just like, you know, uh, like Native American names, which is kind of its own thing. But like what I don't why do why does every town in England sound like that? You know what I'm saying? So if somebody knows, please tell me. <laughs> I'm really curious as to like what the fuck is going on over there. Or I guess what what went on over there? Well, there's a lot of American towns that are named after British places, right? That's why there's so many that are like new whatever, New York. New Mexico. Yeah, but I'm York is just like a <laughs> <laughs> uh <laughs> But, like, York is just, like, a made-up word. Like, that I can get behind. But, like, Great Missenden sounds like it... It sounds like it's based on something, but it's also nonsense. I'll also okay, but say... but what I was trying to get to was... But where did the British people come from? Yeah, Where exactly. did they get their names? That's my question. Yeah. Where, like, yeah. like where did Buckinghamshire come from? Yeah, well, and listen to this. Great Missenden closely adjoins the villages of Little Kings Hill, Little Missenden... And a larger village, Prestwood. Also, can you imagine being from Little Missenden? And you're just like, yeah, we're the shitty version of that other ta- that of other like affluent, of Great Missenden, which oh. is like the affluent 
village. That's where all the hipsters live. Yeah, and Little Missenden <laughs> is where all the people who got gentrified out of Great Missenden are from. I, c- I can only assume that's where they live now. Uh, no idea. Yeah, I don't know. I think that'll just be a giant mystery. Yeah, a great mystery, if you will. Yeah. Uh, all this to say, the aesthetic of the film is very British, despite being all of the main characters having American voices as animals near a British town, I guess. Uh, like, everybody's wearing, like, very, like, fancy clothes that in America you'd probably just get made fun of if you wore for being a nerd. Yeah, like a lot of jackets. Yeah, a lot of jackets, a lot of, like, tweed going on mm-hmm. uh, that's actually a really fun part of the animation is like all of the fun little fabrics that all the animal characters are wearing yeah i made a note in the notes about how because it's stop motion i think i i talked about this with uh um missing link um but just because like you get like zoomed in on all of the the textures and the fabrics that they're using they're all like very very detailed um, and very, very textury, and I just, I just love that so much about being able to be really close into these like small little, little puppets. Yeah, yeah, that is a really fun aspect of stop motion, definitely. Uh, oh, and speaking of American characters, I don't have a, a ton to say about this, but he, I think the rat is probably one of my favorite, uh, just characters in this movie. Just he's like a rockabilly, like greaser guy who has like sold out and is working for bean guarding his cider cellars uh and there's like all of this back and forth between him and mr fox is like who's kind of like the the baddest dude of the town and he's like insulting felicity and all this stuff uh, what does he call it like the town tramp or something like that tart tart. tart yeah tart yeah yeah oh yeah uh i don't know i just love the character of the rat and his like switchblade and his like very like 50s villain monologues with his huge teeth yeah very fun yeah Who's looking he? up who who plays yeah. that uh oh, willem defoe yeah, yeah 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 so it's like one of the other like more famous people in the movie but the author Robert Louis Stevenson once spent a night at the Red Lion in Great Missenden. Wow, cool. So there's even a Treasure Island <laughs> tie-in here. Awesome. Rodal's well, granddaughter, Sophie, owns a property in Great Missenden, and she's married to jazz musician Jamie Cullum. Is that, do you know who Jamie Cullum is? Is he? Is that a famous person? I do. I listen to Jamie cool, Cullum. Cool, all right. I don't know how famous he is. Yeah, because you, I assume, are a little more plugged into the jazz scene than like I would be. But Definitely, because I don't listen to jazz like at yeah. all. Yeah, yeah. Well, I think the fact that we're talking about jazz means that we've probably reached the end of this episode. <laughs> so unless anybody has anything else to, to add into the end here. We're talking no, about Great Missenden, and I'm still and, trying to figure out what Great Missenden means. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, what is a Missenden? Yeah, exactly, exactly. What is a Missenden? Because, like, the like, town... is it is it somebody's whose name? Like, oh, Mister Missenden? I don't know. That's yeah, also a really maybe. stupid name. Maybe I don't know. I feel like English people have weird names sometimes, but 
also because I'm still stuck on like Buckinghamshire. Anyway, whatever. We're, the, the, yeah. the, we're done. I, yeah. This is we're, irrelevant. This is rapidly becoming like a UK history for idiots podcast. <laughs> I think we can all agree that's not the direction we wanted this to go. So I'm going to I want to say this is the end. This is the okay. end of the episode. This is if good. you know about UK history, join the discord, please. And tell us all like what the fuck is going on in England uh, or I, what used to be going on in England. I don't care what's happening now. I know Boris Johnson recovered of covid, which is a tragedy. I know Brexit is happening. I don't care. But join the discord. That's uh, bit.ly slash motionpicturepals. Uh, sign up for the newsletter. It's motionpicturepals.substack.com. Follow us on Twitter. It's, it's We're at motionpicpals. You know, uh, nominate movies for us to watch. I forgot to do that last week, uh, but I remembered this week, and we're going to watch her. So, you know watch that guy watch joaquin phoenix get fall in love with a computer uh, <laughs> that's all i know and, about it so yes yeah. that might and as well talk be to description. us yeah talk to us about it in the discord and then if there's a movie you think we ought to watch discord is the way that you should tell us to watch it and i think that's it i think that's all i have to say before this co is completely unraveled thank you for listening We'll see you in a couple weeks. Goodbye. Just enjoy the movie. It's not Citizen Kane. Oh, I forgot to mention that the screenplay was also, it was co-written by Noah Baumbach, which I thought was fun. It's also like a little twee uh, addition to the thing. I'm just looking through the, the cast right now. I guess the squirrel contractor was Roman Francois Coppola, who's, you know, worked on Moonrise Kingdom and, and other, among other things. So very Wes Anderson. Yeah. Also, oh, it, the uh, the chef, the rabbit, was Mario Batali. Is <laughs> before he got canceled. But Wait, I don't know who that is. He's like a he was like a celebrity chef from not oh, okay. not too long ago, but then he had like I think he got caught up in Me Too, and you know it's the whole bad thing there. Hmm. Um, the so, Wikipedia page for Duke of Buckingham, Duke of Buckingham, referring to Buckingham, is a title that has been created several times in the pedigree of England and Great Britain and the United Kingdom. There have also been Earls of Buckingham and. Uh, Marquesses? Marquesses? I've never known how to say that out loud. I've just sort of skipped over it when I read my, like, Regency fanfic of of Buckingham. (laughs) Yeah. Wow. It is crazy that shit is, like, still basically Crusader Kings over there. They just, like, are titles that you can create. I guess if you have enough gold and prestige, you can just create a title and people have to start calling you by that. It's pretty weird, pretty fucked up, but I it really feels like we're getting to that point here. So I'm hoping, you know, like warlords can start just like declaring themselves like dukes or earls of wherever the fuck here and we can just stop pretending that democracy exists in any meaningful capacity. I mean, I don't think it would be warlords, it would just be capitalists.
Well, you know, tomato, tomato. Empire. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, like King Bezos of Cascadia, you know. Uh Like, I... Like, I fucking hate that guy, but I think I would respect this, like, the hustle of declaring yourself king. I mean, I feel like it would be, um, uh, Tesla. What's his name? Elon Musk. Elon Musk. I feel like Elon Musk would be the first to do that more than Bezos. He would be, because he's, like, a weird freak pervert who I hate, but (laughs) I would... Would you respect his hustle? No, I fucking hate... I won't respect... I do... I refuse to respect or acknowledge anything that Elon Musk does. All right. Except as things that he does specifically to anger me, the protagonist of real life. But yeah, yeah. I, if no, if Elon Musk declared himself king of anything, I would probably write a letter to the Pope about it and just <laughs> try to get him, get him excommunicated. Yeah, yeah. declare Francis. a holy war on like <laughs> Central California. Uh huh. Yeah, I think Pope Francis would be on my side. I think he's a cool dude who would get it. If I just explained my position in a letter. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. I could maybe go on a pilgrimage to Rome to like talk to him. I don't think he'd talk to me. I think I think my odds are better with a letter. Point is, Elon Musk, if you try anything, I will attempt to to lead a crusade against you. All right. Well, I have time dot is up. Oh, that's what I was doing. I started typing, but I can't remember what I was trying to type. <laughs> It was like, oh, I guess I'm. I guess I was about to go to Twitter or something. Yeah, what T website? (laughs) Okay, let's clap it. Okay, let's clap at uh, twenty-three. Yeah, I was on acid last weekend, and like one of the things we were giggling about was like, what if people like in what was. Like if people had to pitch boxes and tubes at like a meeting. Oh, and they would just send you to tubes.com. No, no. It was just like (laughs) explaining the concept of a tube to like a, it was kind of like a, like a, like a shark tank kind of a a situation. Oh. And it was just like. And everyone would compete to sell the best tube. Yeah, something like that, or just like it was a brand new concept that no one had heard of, and they were like trying to explain why tubes are like a good idea mm-hmm. to like a to like a skeptical group of people. But, anyways, enough I have a friend about. Who... Oh, go ahead. Oh, sorry, I had another tea website story for you. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah, let's hear it. I have a friend who would sometimes call me Turvis. Just as like a goofy nickname. And one day we discovered that if you if you misspell Tumblr.com and you go to T-U-M-B-L-E-R.com, it redirects to a website called Tervis.com. <laughs> and it just like they sell cups or something. Oh yeah. Um, like Tumblr, like a whiskey. Yeah, Tervis.com. I'm there right now. Yeah. And it's oh, because like Tumblr, like a whiskey. Yeah, like a the type of glass that's a Tumblr. Yeah. That's well, Travis. Mm. There it is. It's a bunch of products you can buy, I guess. It's you, cool. Travis. Wow, we should try to get sponsored by them. <laughs> uh, okay. Oh, I had a question before oh, we get started. Yeah, do it. Um, Now's the time. I have heard that Roald Dahl is a famous anti Semite. Do you know anything about this? I'm Google, Googling <laughs> it right now. 
<laughs> the suggested Roald Dahl anti-Semitism. Uh, jump to reputed anti-Semitism in the Wikipedia article. Hmm. Let's look at this up real quick. I found a list of five anti-Semitic things Roald Dahl once said. Is it like a BuzzFeed article? Like, top five. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> That's cool. Like, listicles of, like, why people should be canceled. That's pretty funny. Um, Ooh. It sounds like, like he me. was mostly an anti-imperialist, but then, like, also just, like, started dabbling in anti-Semitism as when it, like, wow. in relation to, like, Zionism. Interesting. Because, like... The, at least the quotes I'm seeing in the Wikipedia article are like they start with like principled stances against like Zionist like settler colonialism, but then like talking about like traits in the Jewish character to like provoke, you know? Oh, <laughs> so God. it's kind of like, Ugh. yeah. Ugh. So it sounds like it's some of both. Okay. Well, we can put a note on that. Interesting. Yeah, well, we can talk about how we're, like, literally just learned about this. I mean, uh, I had heard about it before, I just didn't know all of the context. I've never heard of this, so <laughs> I'm glad you said something. I've also got a new idea for a website. It's called Cancelled, C-A-N-C-E-L-D, and mm. it would just be listicles of why certain people are cancelled. That's and honestly... Could, like, upvote and downvote them. And you could like dynamically change what's at the top of the oh, list. Oh, interesting. Okay. That is fun. So you could kind of like vote on like whether you think all of this should mean someone is canceled and kind of like democratize yeah. it a little bit more. Right. Interesting. That is interesting. What's a good one? That's copyrighted, by the way, in case this <laughs> yeah. makes it into like the <laughs> post credits. Uh, okay. <clears throat> Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 19 of Motion Picture Pals, a podcast where we lie about how sick we are. 